Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. I'm always relieved when that bit goes well of actually lifting this because sometimes it just collapses. That's a really bad moment. Um, One thing I have learned is when those things happen, just tell everybody to take a moment and I'll fix this up and then I'll come back to you. But we didn't have to do that today, so that's terrific. You might have heard that this is Missions Month and Missions May. It's not May yet, it's April, I know. So let's just acknowledge that we're not quite in May, okay, in case there's anyone out there who's saying, hang on a minute. You're coming in early, okay? We are coming in early. We know it's the 30th of April, um, not June, nor May, <laughs> um, but, but we know that. But we are having five weeks where we focus on missions as a church, as a church. And we're actually going to talk about five things in that time that all start with the letter P. Now today we're going to talk about the power in God's mission, but I'm also going to sneak a little bit in there on purpose, which is somebody else's subject, because it seems to me it's a little bit silly to start talking about a subject when you don't know why you're talking about it. Now that doesn't stop some people, I know. (laughs) They just talk anyway. We're trying not to do that. So we're going to have a little bit on purpose. We're going to talk mostly on the power in God's mission. But then you're going to hear later, we're going to have people speaking on um, praising God for his mission and the posture that we should adopt. I'm going to mention something in that regard as well today, so a bit of cheating there. Um, My apologies to, that's our Baptist World Aid that's speaking that week, Um, but but never mind. And the people, which I believe Simon's going to talk, where's Simon? He's going to talk to you about the people in God's mission. Um, And then last, you're actually going to get Leona speaking about the purpose, but like I said, I'm going to touch on that um, here. It'll be four weeks until Leona comes and so doing that won't be a problem. But um, you've probably forgotten what I said in that regard and it's actually speaking about the purpose of God's mission as a really good bookend in reality to what we're doing here because you should always understand why you're doing things. That's just a great thing to do. But I will try and stay pretty close to my designated topic and not wander too deeply into those areas. But when we talk about the power in God's mission... What we're really talking about is the power of the good news of the message of Jesus. The power in God's mission is nothing more or nothing less than that. It's the good news that happened when Jesus came to earth. And so we're going to talk about that today. But before we do that, I want to back up a little bit. I want to talk about what God is on about overall what God is on about. This is the purpose bit. Why did God create an earth and everything that's in it? Why did God create an earth and everything in it? The overarching message of the whole Bible is that God loves his creation. God created an earth and all that's in it because he loved it. He, he created it and he said it was good. And God loves every person, every person that he ever created, God loves. Doesn't matter about their colour, their creed, their age, their sexual preference, their stand on certain theological issues. God loves every person. 
And he wants every person to come to an intimate and loving relationship with him, regardless of where they're starting from. God loves every person. His unrelenting message throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament is a message of reaching out to people who are far from him to bring them close to him. Sometimes he grieves over those who are far from him. Sometimes he's angry with them because they once were close and now they're far or he's disappointed to see that they've moved away. But his posture, see I said his posture, is always one of reaching out with love. He longs to see every person in relationship with him. God loves every person, every person so much that he created us. The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That is every one of us. You know, when God looks at us, he thinks, that's pretty damn good. He looks at it, that's what he sees. He looks and sees that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. He created us with, for relationship with him from the very beginning. His whole intent was that we would have relationship with him. And even when you read the early chapters of Genesis, you see God reaching out to people again and again, right from the fall. Adam, where are you? God comes calling. Adam, where are you? He's reaching out. Even though he knows he could just destroy him in a moment. And he could say, I have every justification to do so, but he reaches out, Adam, where are you? God loves every person so much. He gave us the law, a set of rules. And that's really what's all in the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament now. There's this whole bunch of rules about how to live your best life. Now, that's an interesting thing. He loves us so much, he gave us a whole set of rules about how to live our best life. Sometimes we don't think of it that way, but in reality, when God gave us commandments or things to live by, it was for our benefit. It wasn't for his benefit. It was for us. It was actually how to live your best life in front of God. Physically, there's rules there that relate to physical things. Mentally, how to manage yourself. Um, having peace, how to manage mentally and spiritually your relationship with God. That it talks all about those. Personal hygiene, it's all there uh, in the Bible. The law is all about those things because he loved us so much. Then he loved us so much that he broke those, all of those rules down to two. Because <laughs> he said, that's, I know that's complex, but it can all get wrapped up in two, two things that you should live by. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul. And that you should love your neighbour as yourself. He loved us so much, he made it simpler for us so that we could understand. He loved us so much, every person so much, that he showed us that we actually can't maintain that standard of the law. That we can't maintain it. He loves us so much that we do it. That's one way that some of us feel guilty. Not all of us feel guilty about everything we do, but all of us have things that we regret. And he loved us so much to show how to deal with those things that you regret and how that we can't maintain that standard. He loved us so much that he actually outlined a whole series of sacrifices that people could do 
to help get back into relationship with him in the Old Testament before the time of Jesus. He loved us so much, he did those things. Then he loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to live with us, to point to a different way to come to relationship with God, a different way to deal with the moral and spiritual failures that inevitably happen in our lives. We all fail, morally and spiritually. And yet he loved us so much, he sent his son to die for us on a cross. And that he rose him up again and for once and for all dealt with those those moral and spiritual failures that we all have. For once and for all, he loved every person so much that he did that. And like I said, there's the point, and that's the power of missions, that God loves every person so much that he did those things. 2 Corinthians 5.18 puts it this way. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's the power of the gospel right there to get us back in relationship with him. But let's read the whole passage, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 through 20. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 20. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who for their sake, uh, for, for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled himself to us through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God, was recon- that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God has always been a missionary God. He's always been a missionary God. He's always been reaching out to those who need to be reconciled to him. He's always reaching out to you and to me and to everybody. So if we just go back to verse 18 and hone in on this a little bit by, in a little bit more depth, phrase by phrase. All this is from God who reconciled himself us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In this verse we see, firstly, it starts with all this. And when it says all this, it's referring to everything that we read in the verses immediately prior to that. That is, that Jesus loves us. His love compels us to do things and to do what we're doing. That Christ came and died and rose again. That he did it for everybody. He's saying all of these things. And then it goes on, all this is from God, so that God is the source 
of those things. And he goes on, it's, all this is from God who reconciled us. Who reconciled us. Do you see, he does it. It's not something we do. Reconciling, being reconciled to God is something that he does. We just need to put ourselves in a place to receive that reconciliation. All this is from God who reconciled us. One thing I'd say, who reconciled. To be reconciled to someone, you need to have fallen out. I don't need to be reconciled to Kathy today because we actually are in reasonable shape. (laughs) There are days when we need some reconciliation, that something has gone awry. So when things are gone awry, that's where we need reconciliation, not when things are going great. But that does say that all of us need to be reconciled. So in that, in that very own thing itself, it says something's gone awry. And I think all of us know that at times we fail. There's moral failure, spiritual failure, like I spoke about. We all fail at times in those areas. But he reconciled us. So that's being, and then there's a bit that I love that says that he reconciled us to himself. That sounds like a daddy hug to me. I don't know about you. It just sounds like a daddy hug. He reconciled us to himself. I can just see. And when I read that, I sense that God just doesn't want me to be okay and over there. God wants me back in that intimate place of relationship with him. He knows I've stuffed up. That's still there. He knows that. But he wants me to be reconciled to himself. Nice and close. Nice and close, which is actually what we need when we stuffed up. I actually had a really difficult conversation this week um, that didn't go as well as I hoped. And I was a bit broken about it. It was just so nice to come and talk to Kathy about that and just have someone who I could say, you know what, I don't think I did my best work back there, but we are okay. And she was able to minister to me in that time when I realised, you know what, not my best work. Um, and it set me nice and close. And when you think, I can do that with God, and you know what, she still loves me. She knows maybe. She tried to make me think it wasn't as bad as all that. Um, but uh, notwithstanding, um, you know, God brings us nice and close, even if we've stuffed up and pretty badly. So he reconciled us to himself in Christ. So it's very clear about how he goes that, what the pathway to that reconciliation is. It's Jesus Christ. And then beyond that point, it says, who reconciled us to himself in Christ and gave us. And when you think about he gave us, it says not only does he give us a daddy hug, but he gives us a gift. He gives us a gift as well. And that gift is a gift for others. It's not just for us. He doesn't only just say, I'm, you're here, but he says, I've got something. I trust you. I love you so much. I've given you something. And he gave us. And I'll just look at the word us there. It doesn't say he gave some people. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So this is not just gifted people. You know, some of the spiritual gifts that we get it says, you know, he gave some to be teachers, apostles, prophets, um, evangelists. You know, all of these things are given to certain people in a special way. This one is given to all of us, the ministry of reconciliation. And he gave that to us. 
So all of us, having received that opportunity to be reconciled with Christ, when we, uh, with God, when, that, when that happens, we get given this gift of reconciliation. And that too is part of the power of the gospel. You don't have to be elite. You don't have to be super spiritual. You don't have to be gifted to have the ministry of reconciliation. It actually just says that who you are and how you live is a reflection of what God is. It's a posture of reaching out. So if you're having a problem with somebody and you want to imitate God, imitating God doesn't brush it under the carpet or say never mind or just ignore it. Imitating God says, I'm going to do, I'm going to reach out and be reconciled to that person. I'm going to do what I can do to be reconciled to that person. Because God gave us that gift. And having him given us a gift, it would be a real pity if we didn't use it. But if we just um, back up a bit, if we just back up a bit, 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And just, he died for all. That's everybody. That's everybody. In Missions May, we tend to focus about those people who are cross-cultural. Absolutely. They are part of the all. That's what we're doing when we do this. You're, but also, we recognise that this is part of God's plan for us. Part of God's plan for our lives to live your best life is actually to use and exercise this ministry of reconciliation that is given to us. And missions is really just taking that message for all people and getting it out there to all people. Getting it out there, for letting that good news of Jesus, the message, speak for itself. Those who are near, those who are far, those who are in the east, which is what we're talking about quite often. Those who are in the West. Those in all kinds of circumstances. Those whose lives are together. Those whose lives are a long, long, long way from God. We often use this term missions to about those people who are far away, either distance-wise or culturally. Uh, some of the things we do um, as a church also help people, our missionaries. Dave Barnett, for example, is working cross-culturally um, translating the Bible for Aboriginal people. Um, so fantastic work. But that's a key focus for us this month. As Romans chapter 10 put it, Beck spoke to it um, earlier, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name. How then can they call on the one whom they haven't believed in? How can they believe the one who they, whom they haven't heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? And this is what we're talking about today. In some ways, today especially, we can send people in a different way than just sending someone from our church over there. And I would say a, lot, a big part about what Miracle Connect does is actually sends our resources over there and supports the local people to do the work where they are. And they've got language and culture. They've got language and culture. They know how to relate to the people and they speak the language. They've been doing it since birth. So today, a big part of how we send 
We actually send resources, and that's very important uh, for us. Part of the power of the gospel, we're talking about the power in missions. Part of the power in missions is um, evident in just what's happened since Jesus was here. I don't know if you ever stop and think about this, but Jesus was actually on earth for 33 years. Of those 33 years, so that's nearly half my lifetime. (laughs) Of those 33 years, he only actually had three years of ministry, active ministry out there with everybody. And he had three years where he was out there preaching and teaching and gaining followers. Then he died a pretty ordinary death and left after three years. And we think probably there was maybe 120 people odd who were followers of Jesus at that time and who were actually a rabble. They weren't well organised. They weren't well prepared. Uh, They were afraid. They were meeting behind closed doors for fear of the people around them. And from there, things just went bam and continue to go bam today. Um, You know, today, Christianity is the largest religion in the world. We might see in the West that and feel like around us in the West, the church is declining, and that's true in in most areas in in many of the, the Western countries. But in the developing world, it's a different story. And in Asia, it's a different story. And what we're just starting to see is the Middle East is starting to turn as well. Um, The Bible says that of the increase of his kingdom and of peace, there will be no end about Jesus. And we see that. More people convert from their other religion to Christianity than any other religion in the world. That is still happening. In the world, across the world, more people come to Christianity from other faiths than any other religion. So the power of the gospel is still there and very evident. And in the area that we're focused on, the Middle East, we, like I was mentioning, we've just seen in the last 20 or 30 years a major move and a major change in what's happening with the gospel in the Middle East. Kathy and I spent a few years in uh, the Middle East, in Cyprus and Kuwait, reaching out to Arabic-speaking people. In those days, there was a handful of people coming to faith in Jesus from other backgrounds, just a handful. It was very difficult, um, and it happened rarely, and, and then those, many of those people fell away over time as well. A really, really difficult mission field at that time. Today... As, as we speak about, we see hundreds coming to faith. We know of people in Kuwait where we were who had been there for very faithfully for 20 and 30 years and only now are starting to see people coming to faith uh, in you know, any numbers at all. They, they laboured for 20, 30 years seeing hardly anyone come to faith, but now they're starting to see people coming to know Jesus. After 1,400 years of the growth of Islam in this area, the cracks are starting to appear. And we just want to say thank you to the internet (laughs) uh, for the opportunities that provides to give the message of Jesus out there and to change, give people another option and to allow them to seek answers to questions that they could never ask or get answers before. People have always questioned, they just haven't had a place to go to get the answers and now they do. It's still difficult to get missionaries into these countries But there's a remnant, and we've told you about some of them, 
there who are willing to share their faith very openly. And there's a lot of people who are willing to engage on social media. It's incredible. I actually feel, I'm always blown away that people will ask these questions on Facebook. But they do. Um, and you know, we get a lot of response through that. So how do I use, so you know, God's doing an amazing thing in the Middle East and North Africa in that way. But how do, we, how do we use this ministry of reconciliation that God has given us? Well, one thing's for sure. It's pretty clear in the Bible is that the expectation is that most people will actually live a pretty ordinary, normal life in a pretty ordinary, normal way, doing pretty ordinary, normal things, but working within a body of Christ. It's pretty plain that when, when early churches were established, they weren't thinking that everybody in those churches was immediately going to go to the neighbouring town. In actual fact, their job was to minister where they were and spread the news where they were. That was their job. But it's also very clear that the early church was very active in supporting those who were sent that they did send people to other areas to share the good news of Jesus and that they were very active in, in, in supporting them both with resources, finances and what other needs they have and through prayer. It's very obvious that this is happening as well. And so this is what we can do. We can do exactly those things. We can be very active in bringing the ministry of reconciliation. By the way, when it comes to our neighbours, doesn't that sound a whole lot better than saying you're sinners who need to be saved? Doesn't, doesn't the idea that, would you like a better relationship with God? Doesn't that actually sound a whole lot better than, you know, you're a sinner who needs to be saved? You know, be reconciled to God. God's actually reaching out to you. One of the great things with ENS, one of the things we saw them do quite often when they spoke to the taxi drivers, their first question was actually, what do you know about Jesus? It was just, what do you know? And when it comes to the posture in missions, I thought, what a great, what a great you know, way to start the conversation. It's, what do you know? Tell me what you know. Or they'd ask, what do you know about the Injil, which is the New Testament? The New Testament. What do you know about the Injil? It's just asking them. That's the posture of reaching out. What do you know? Tell me something about yourself. And his ability, their ability to turn that around within a few minutes, because taxi rides don't last that long, to actually share um, was quite phenomenal. But I just, I really took that away. Is what do you know? Asking that as a as an early question. And so that's how we can be involved in that ministry. And we can, of course, be involved, um, the ways we can be involved abroad is very much through the things we're focused on this month in terms of supporting missions and those who do actually send. We can be like them, sending people to other areas and sending resources to the people who are already there. So with that and wrapping up, what does it mean for us? Let's just remember that the power in God's mission, the power in God's mission is the message of Jesus. That's the power, that it's good news and it's for everyone. Let's be reconciled to God. We're just encouraged to be reconciled to, to him over and over again. That's the power of God in our lives, that we can day by day be reconciled to him.
that when we fail, when we stuff up, that we can come to him and receive that forgiveness and, that, and be reconciled again in good relationship with him. And having been rescued and saved and reconciled, let's not stop there, but let's use the gift that God gave us of reconciliation. And today we're gonna to use that as a lead-in to communion. We're gonna use that as a lead-in to communion. As we come to take communion, we're gonna ask people to file down, grab communion from the frontier. Um, as you come down, treat that as like becoming to God to be reconciled to him. Coming to the table as being reconciled to God. And as you take the communion, as you take the elements, we're going to have bread and wine there, um, and, or juice. As you take those elements and return to your seat, just go with, a, with the idea in your head that this is me taking that reconciliation that God has given me and now taking that um, and taking the ministry and the gift that he's given us, the ministry of reconciliation with us as we go. So when you come up, like I said, as you come up, reconcile to God. As you leave, it's about reconciliation. If there's someone in here that you need to get reconciled with, that might be an opportunity as we're all mingling around and walking back and forward. That might be too public. Just get started with yourself and God and commit yourself to doing something later is also another thing to do. But treat that as an opportunity to say, maybe there's some reconciliation. I need to take this gift that God has given me and deal with it in some way. So in coming to communion, just to, to, to say that communion is something we do regularly in church to say uh, that Jesus asked us to do as a way of remembering him, his death and his resurrection. And so in Luke, it actually, Luke records it this way, the book of Luke. And it says, so they prepared the Passover. So part of the story of this occurring was actually a very important event that the people that Jesus was with celebrated all the time. They celebrated, every year they celebrated a Passover event and had a special meal. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfilment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this, eat this meal, drink this juice, this, this wine he gave to them. Do it in remembrance of me. And in the same way after supper, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. That new covenant is the covenant of reconciliation with God through him, through Jesus. This is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So let's come to the table. And like I said, as you come, if there's anything in your life that is a moral or spiritual failure that you think you need to put before God, let's do that or get it started. Sometimes the walk, the 15 seconds that it takes to get from your chair to the table might not quite be enough. Maybe you're pretty good and you can deal with stuff very, very quickly. It's between you and God. Um, but come with that attitude of getting reconciled to God and then as you come back to your seats, um, you know, think about what ministry, what's that ministry of reconciliation look like for me. Um, we will take um, the cup, um, 
drink the cup in your own. No, we usually do bread first. We eat the bread and then we hold the cup, don't we? Got to do things the very Baptist way. Okay? Um, So, yes, we'll eat the bread in your own time. Um, We'll drink the cup together as a symbol of our unity together. So with that, we might, um, just when you're ready, however you like to do it here, um, you know, come grab some things and come back to your chairs. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.